What's up? <laughs> Welcome. You caught me on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> uh, what you, what are you browsing? I don't know. I didn't load fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to give you a moment? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for being here. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I just had a cup of coffee, so I'm I got a nice extra midday jolt, end of day jolt, whatever you want to call it. So, are you like a uh, dark roast, mild? What's what's your preferred? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I like a, a mid or like mild, I guess you would call it. But I always have um, a little bit of something. I don't put sugar, but it's either like uh, almond milk, whole milk. I can't say I'm a fan of oat milk, though. I know that's uh-huh. the rave. Well, um, I appreciate you being here. Um, yeah. And so I just kind of shared a little bit about you, but I want you to introduce yourself and and let us know a little bit about what it is that you do. Uh, my name is Eric Sanchez. I'm in Los Angeles. I, uh, I um, This is kind of an interesting way to answer, but uh, I have a record company called Normandy Records. Um, but like, I don't know if that really defines everything that I do. So what I do, what I tell people is that I'm kind of a producer, but then that also confuses people because they think I'm like a music producer. But uh, I mean producer in the sense of like, um, like I just produce like campaigns and, and releases and and I help in the in the production process and produce content and documentaries all within Normandy Records, which is my company. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the best way to describe what I do. Um, oh, very involved with the artist. Got it. So not just music, but kind of like various realms within the industry, entertainment industry, I would say. Uh, well, it's primarily music. It, it okay. all comes from music. And then it just kind of, you know, music nowadays impacts almost every element of entertainment. So I'm, that's, you know. Got it. Got it. So what was your inspiration behind even even doing this? Where did this come from? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> a whole episode on this. No, I mean, there's a there's a there's a sh- so I grew up in South Central. Right. And like at the time, all the, a lot of the music that was very popular, like worldwide, was the music that was happening in like my backyard, like literally. And ah. um. I, I guess like at that age, you you probably subconsciously start seeing the value of storytelling and entertainment and how intellectual property and in your experience can be something. But obviously I'm a child, so it doesn't really add up. But I, I always feel like that's an influence, whether I knew it or not. Um, mm-hmm. And but I think the, the 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 point where music became a part of my life in a big way was when I was 12, uh, my Older, I have two older brothers. Uh, one of my brothers asked my father for a guitar, um, just randomly. I don't even remember. And uh, my father was 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 kind enough to say, "Well, if I get you a guitar, then I have to get Eric a bass." And yes, I'm the youngest of four, so I benefited from all that. Um, but uh-huh. <laughs> um, I had no interest at the time, right? It, but, but I just always remember um, this one particular moment where I, I was going to bed. It was really late, and my brother was up practicing his guitar. And um, he was playing Mary Had a Little Lamb, which is very beginners, right? And I remember uh-huh. thinking, like there were some times where he got it and there were some times where he totally bombed it. But then there were other times where he got further ahead. So I was like, mm, there's an element of like work here. There's an element mm-hmm. of like, there's a variable of like effort that I wasn't aware of. 
So like that following week, I uh, at school, I went to a performing arts school and I asked my music teacher, his name is Mr. Venz, Stephen Venz, actually. And I was like, hey, I have a bass. I don't know how to play it. Could you please teach me how to play it? And he was like, well, who do you have six period? I said, I have theater. He said, cool, I'll bring you on. And then I learned how to play an instrument. And ever since then, it's kind of, I've kind of been sold on music as being part of uh, my life. You know? Wow. That's pretty cool. So it kind of came from your brother wanting a guitar and that kind of inspired this whole other way of looking at music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I was very fortunate to go to a school that had a music program. I think mm -hmm. that's not common anymore, unfortunately. Uh, so I'm very grateful for that, to have access to that. And um, uh, it's like when I first heard all the instruments playing together at the age of, what, 12? I don't know. I felt something in my brain and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like something just got unlocked. And it mm -hmm. just, I don't know. I've just been searching for it ever since, I guess. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that so the first I don't play any instruments, but the only I mean, is it an instrument? I don't know. I guess maybe uh, the first type of instrument that I've ever played was uh, the recorder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was in third grade, and they taught us how to play the recorder, one song, and I still remember that one song. <laughs> Hi, What's crazy. I don't know what it's called, but I know how to play it. Like <laughs> I know, I know how to move my fingers uh, to play the the sounds that they wanted us to play. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think we oh, all crazy. start with the recorder. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, prior to that, I played the clarinet, but I had no like passion for it. I did it because it was a class I had to take. Um, I see. But uh, yeah, the recorder is very important. <laughs> <laughs> it's like beginning stages. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So you had mentioned that um, growing up in South Central, you were like, kind of like, you saw music in your backyard. What were some of those artists or influences that were around? Uh, this was like in the in the 90s where it was like the Death Row era with like Snoop, uh, Dre, uh, you know, Corrupt, the Dog Pound, DJ Quick, mm -hmm. Mac 10, uh, that whole West Side Connection, Cube. Um, mm -hmm. I had obviously influence from from like East Coast, like Nas and things like that and Jay-Z, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um, it was the storytelling that was going on. Like I remember when uh, Backyard Boogie by Mac 10 came out and I was like, wow, like this is like literally what happens. That's very interesting, like how <laughs> that can be mainstream culture, but yeah. yet be very um, complex at the same time. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So then now as you started getting older um, and, and you started thinking about music in this way, were you always doing music this whole time? Was it always kind of like in the in the background of everything that you were doing? Yeah, or... yeah it was. I, I, started a, um, I started a band with my two best friends shortly after seventh grade. It was interesting because, you know, at 13, like you have a couple of choices. You can either get into trouble or just be a child, you know, I chose neither. I, I didn't choose, I chose something completely different. And that, that kind of, I think, sparked the, like the, the interest in the business side of music. At 13, the, the internet was very young, you know? Um, uh, my, my oldest brother, I guess my brother's played a big role in this, now that I think about it. My oldest brother had yeah. a laptop because he, he had just finished college. And yeah. I would just go on like 
GeoCities or I'm sorry, like Ask Jeeves or something. And I would search uh-huh. venues that would allow us to perform and I would call them and they would laugh at me because I'm 13. And, and oh, wow, um, they started very young calling these places and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was very awkward because websites weren't websites <laughs> like the websites that we see now. They were very poorly made and mm-hmm. search engines weren't as precise so it was mm-hmm. like a real rabbit hole of uh finding these things and there were there were there were many venues back then not many were mm-hmm. all ages so it was just a very interesting thing and uh you know I was able to um focus my academic studies on music uh mm-hmm. I was, I'm I'm stubborn so I was going to do it anyway um <laughs> and uh yeah so it's just always been there <laughs> so yeah. I always hear that um, the music industry, even like with people that I work with, that they're trying to get in, whether it be through like um, various, various venues, um, not necessarily as artists or performers, but like the PR of it or the uh, marketing piece, um, et cetera. So what are some of the, ch- and, and they've shared that it's very, very challenging and not a lot of callbacks, very small industry. What are some of the challenges that you've noticed for yourself as you're as you're in this space? Um, that's very interesting. Uh, all, all those things you said are absolutely correct, and and your friends or colleagues are one hundred percent spot on. I think there are uh, a, a few perspectives on this. Um, one that I live, and one that I'm familiar with. Um, with let's I'll start with the with the artist side, which is what I'm mostly what's what I'm familiar with, but I don't live because mm-hmm. I'm not an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're an artist, when you decide that you're gonna embark on this creative journey or um, whatever you want to call it, you kind of forget because you're so passionate, because you're so dedicated yeah. to achieving whatever goal it is you have. Uh, you often forget that this is an area, an industry, a path, whatever you want to call it, that's like oftentimes misunderstood, um, mm-hmm. like overly criticized. And I would even dare say ridiculed at this point in 2021 because the barriers are so low. And, mm-hmm. you know, that alone should deter many people from doing it, but it doesn't, right? right. So then you right. enter into this, this journey as an artist, and in order for you to reach some level of return or success, there's a level of vulnerability that is required, right? Um, not always, but oftentimes that's the case. Okay. So you're entering into this, this like very difficult path where you have to expose yourself, you have to make yourself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And the issue comes when you don't see the success that you expected, right? Yeah. Um, oftentimes our expectations are based on outliers in music in the music industry mm-hmm. and that could be a very difficult thing to 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 deal with yeah. I know many people artists um I don't like to call them failed artists because I don't think that's I, I in my heart I don't feel that's how it works you know but if we're going off industry metrics or whatever we, we can refer to them as that but that have a hard time like accepting that, that maybe their expectations are not aligned, their um, their format or the, their strategy is not the right one. And it's very mm-hmm. challenging because it's so passion driven, right? So I feel for artists a lot. I love artists. I admire artists. I think we mm-hmm. need artists in this world, 
which is why I do what I do and which is why I, I am so involved with the artist path because of that reason, because I understand that and I'm familiar with it and I want to avoid that level of um, uh, disappointment is a heavy word, right? But I, I, for lack of a better word for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the business side, which is what I live more, it's essentially now an entrepreneurial endeavor, right? It's a it's an entrepreneurial path uh, or like lifestyle, or at the very least, you have to acknowledge the entrepreneurial elements that are required to do this. Um, and that, again, very similar to the artist, is very misunderstood. It's very almost over glorified, um, like completely like uh, expectations are all out of whack and you have like like your friend said you have to know how to take the no's you're gonna get 90 yeah. no's before you get one yes and right. it's difficult you have to be uh you have to love it you have to um understand why you do it yeah. and you have to be um there's a lot of things <laughs> that you have to be but you, you, i think if you don't love it then you probably won't uh, be able to get through the difficult parts. So yeah. that's some of the things I see. Um, <clears throat> well, well, with all of with all of that, how do you stay motivated? Because I could just imagine hearing no's all the time, and and you know that that breaks down your self esteem. Like I just imagine myself kind of being in this in these spaces, and I can imagine being like, "All right, I'm going to keep on pushing," and then we get to this place where it's like, "Am I not good enough?" Like this. Like, Am I meant for this? Maybe this isn't my path. Yeah. Like, how do you manage? Maybe some of, do you notice any of these feelings? Um, no, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. I think, I think when I, when I first started and I don't know when you would determine that. Right. But, um, uh, I, uh, there was, there was probably one time that I can think of where I'm just like, this is, I can't do this. Right. Cause it was just a very challenging time, but, um, I just, I remind myself of why I'm even doing this, right? Like, and, and what I ultimately want to achieve and like what, what I'm going to be happy with in life. Like, I, mm-hmm. I love being in the trenches, in the trenches with artists. I love mm-hmm. figuring it out with artists. I love teaching artists. I love, um, I love helping them get to the next level, whatever level that is, you know, and I make sure that within the, um, the structure of the company that those expectations are realistic and i, I love that i, I kind of um i've never i probably never said this but i kind of run it like a mentorship for artists because i don't that's what i'm hearing yeah because mm-hmm. if if i'm an independent company i'm not universal i'm not sony so like i know my limitations but within that if if i can teach them how to protect themselves as artists mm-hmm. not only on the business side but like even since for the context of this conversation their mental health then I, I feel like I did my job, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. obviously there's financial aspects to it, but um, with that aside, like I, 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 that motivates me to, to mm-hmm. just keep going. Yeah. So is that kind of like the same message that you share with your artists that maybe haven't been able to get to these, to, to be able to uh, not self-motivate or to be able to push themselves? Are these some kind of some of the similar messages that you share with them? Um, when there's an opportunity, yeah. But like I, I, I give them space, you know, creatives 
art artists of all kinds, I believe, work off of energy, and mm -hmm. energy takes takes up space. Mm -hmm. And I just I um I feel like I'm pretty good with people, at least the people that I care about. If, mm -hmm. if I hope that doesn't sound bad, but uh, like I feel like I can read when an artist needs their space now, right? Mm -hmm. And when I feel that, I give it to them. But when I see an opening for me to help them get out of whatever difficult time or whatever thing they're dealing with, I feel like I most of the time I've earned the right to to, to say those things or share my thoughts right. um, on a personal level, right? Because I make myself very accessible to artists. We're on mm -hmm. WhatsApp. We're texting all day. We're, mm -hmm. we're joking. And I, 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 that's important for me in the company and the type of environment that I want to create. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, but, but like on a business side, when we're building strategy, I definitely try to set realistic expectations. And I feel like a lot of artists don't have that early on. And that leads to the difficult things that, that I mentioned earlier. So, right. Yeah, yeah. Even like disappointment or whatnot, that it may mm -hmm. not be happening in the way that they envisioned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So switching gears a little bit, because I'm, I'm kind of thinking about some of the, the work that I've seen you do. Um, and I've noticed a lot about like you bring in a lot of cultural aspects um, from your cultural heritage. Can you share a little bit about what what are some of these projects that you've been releasing? I believe I saw like a documentary, if I'm not mistaken, maybe like last year at some point. Yeah, we in 2018. um I and a bunch of other people like I can't even take credit with it like take credit for it by myself it was like a collective uh, effort um it was a it's a documentary series but we only have one episode right now because covid did, we weren't able to continue production so okay it's it, the goal is a series it's called Somos Arte and it's focused on the contemporary art culture in El Salvador so we went out there and we filmed we were in San Salvador with a production crew and we were filming and interviewing a bunch of artists and we were just trying to get a sense of like um like tell us what's going on right now like um like what are the challenges you're facing and uh what what are some of the things you have to overcome in your market now that's all cool and that sounds like reporting but the documentary aspect was we wrote the first episode from the perspective of a Salvadoran American going to El Salvador for the first time in 20 years, which is something that a lot of people can relate to in the United mm -hmm. States, in the American mm -hmm. diaspora, uh, mm -hmm. because we're still in a generation following the Civil War. So a lot of people were like very hesitant to go back because right. there's a lot of conversations about uh, safety and, yeah. and, um, and gangs, you know, and it's all valid. But what we, what we wanted to accomplish with this project was to show people, show the world, not just Salvadorans, that you can go to El Salvador and you can have fun and you can be safe. And along the way, you can listen to good music and, and, and go to art exhibits. You can go to uh, uh, vegan cafes in San Benito. Like, so wow. we're trying to expand people's perception of a country that's totally like dragged here in in the united states of america like i feel like the media takes every opportunity to step on central america el salvador and just like hyper focus on 
some of the things that they haven't been able to overcome. You know what I mean? Right. So, yep. um, big objective. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Wow. That's, I'm like hearing what you're sharing and it sounds like such an amazing project. Um, what was, where did that idea even come from? Well, I'm Salvadoran American, right? So, and I'm, and I'm a proud Salvadoran American. Um, and, but like that energy, I've never been able to do anything with. And one, it was like one random day I was, uh, cause like I, when I listen to music, when I try, when I'm trying to scout music, I'm just everywhere. Like the internet is a big place. So there's a ton of music there. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there thinking like, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel, this is not what I want. So I Googled, mm-hmm. um, indie music in El Salvador and I found an article about some people that were like backpack, backpacking through Central America and, and they started naming all these artists that I'd never heard of. So I went down another rabbit hole uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then I reached out to these people and we built a relationship uh, working remotely. And like now I, I talk to them every day. They're like, they're, they're an extension of what I do. And um, uh, they've been a part of the process the entire time because it's their story. You know, mm-hmm. we wanted to make it half and half. Like we want to bring our American perspective and, but we need you to bring your Salvadoran perspective and forget about trying to like impress us. Just be honest yeah. with us. We'll meet uh-huh. you halfway, you know? Yeah. So that was very yeah, no, yeah. Like no assimilating just going to be who yeah. they naturally are. Yeah. So, so while you were out there, what was, uh, was there anything that was surprising for you to see? Uh, to see, no, um, I wasn't really surprised by anything. Maybe the food, some of the food is very interesting. Any, if anyone's okay. listening and a Salvadorian, like you're doing yourself a disservice if you're only eating traditional uh, cuisine when you go to El Salvador, because oh. there's a lot of culinary um like innovation happening down there and uh-huh. there's a lot of resources the seafood down there the water's fantastic uh so there's a lot of like creative things in in the food um so that was probably the the most interesting thing that I that I noticed yeah. that's pretty cool yeah just thinking about this project and and this uh docu-series how you mentioned that it is like it just sounds like such a such a powerful way to share about a country in a different light. Mm-hmm. It's true. There's often stigma surrounding our Latin American countries. And so being able to focus on how this can be a really great place where you can go and, and explore and learn um, more than just like what we see in the media. Um, so it's really cool that you like were able to bring this to life. Yeah. It's, That's awesome. it's, 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 it has been the most rewarding thing because I am Salvadoran, because I I had heard, I went one time when I was seven years old, and then I didn't go back till I went to film this documentary. So it was a big gap. I was actually living the story that we wrote, right? Yeah. But but a lot of people can relate, so it's not exclusive to me, so I didn't feel selfish, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But it, it, so gratifying, so, so rewarding Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to have my feet on the ground in the soil where my parents grew up and had yeah. to leave, you know, mm-hmm. and to be able to, to prof- like help 
these artists who are essentially on the same wavelength as I am when it comes mm-hmm. to the whole music and creative world. So mm-hmm. it, it, it felt like um, it's like, you know, you could be in another country and you can just plug in your phone when well, we not every country and you can just plug in your phone and start charging your phone because there's uh-huh. power everywhere. I felt like I went in there and I plugged right in and I got so much like juice and it just, it was, it's been the most rewarding thing I probably have ever done. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You mentioned your parents and if you feel comfortable in sharing, I'm curious to know how they, mm. how they felt about you going. And even, uh, they were, I mean, they were a little worried, I guess, but they were, they're mostly cool about it. You know, um, prior to that, we ran some, uh, some like crowdfunding campaigns and, uh, that was just a whole thing. Right. Um, and one of our, uh, our team members from San Salvador was in Mexico. She was in Mexico city for a convention. And she was like, Hey, I, I would love to just go to LA right after this and help you guys. And we we're like, hell yeah, come on down. So she mm-hmm. came by and she stayed in my apartment and like, I was able to introduce her to like my, my, my parents. I just, I just felt like that was important. I don't know why, but <laughs> I wouldn't do that with, I haven't done that with it, all the other people I work with, but I just felt like that was important. And uh-huh. It was just so interesting to see someone who was my age talking mm-hmm. to my parents about like things that they know so well, like uh-huh. playas and, and little specific like parts of the country that I have no idea about. Yeah. And I felt like that kind of helped them be like, oh, you, that's that's kind of cool. Like he's working with people who are not like bad people and that's very interesting uh-huh. so I, I don't know I felt like that kind of helped yeah yeah and definitely also like bringing their story to life in many ways because mm, yeah. like they were sharing they were sharing with her about their ex- her, their experiences things that they lived and she's like relating and then you're going and bringing yeah. this to life through through uh film yeah so it, it's it was, all it was super yeah. go ahead no, it was just crazy. Like, I'm just, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It's wild, yeah. Yeah, it's like all these intersections, and it's really cool to see how they all, it all, like, come, uh, how it all comes together. Yeah. So, Eric, you know, knowing that this is, um, like, I, I'm always curious to know about um, how mental health plays a role here. So how do you notice that that music helps you, or, like, the work that you do helps you just even manage everyday life especially just with COVID and how the last like 14 or more 14 plus months have been for us this is probably not going to sound healthy but (laughs) I really leaned into work this last year Um, (laughs) okay (laughs) like live events were gone right and I I just kind of felt like whoa wait a second like I don't know what this is going to look like but I have to be resilient and mm-hmm. find a way to break through and find opportunities. Um, not to sound um, like tone deaf, you know what I mean? All, all, all while understanding what was happening globally and even like here in the States with, um, with the Black Lives Matter movement, that was all very important. And um, uh, all those things were very challenging to digest and see. And then we had that presidency that I am forever grateful is gone um Mm -hmm. and but I I, like it goes back to like what I said earlier like I really really love this 
and like grit, while some people might argue that is a, a privilege, and there's some truth to that. I, I consider myself a very gritty person, and mm. I, I just I, I saw it as a challenge that I wasn't going to run away from, and that kind of helped me. Uh, mm. I know that doesn't sound really healthy, and I, I, I understand that, but at the same time, I have my hobbies that okay. I can always go into. When I just okay. want to shut down and just do something else, I, I okay. have those. And whether that be riding my bike, whether that be just mm -hmm. going to grab a donut, leaving my mm -hmm. phone at home, or playing with like sports cards or like digging through sports cards, like I have my hobbies that are completely disconnected. And those are what keep me like, like balanced, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's definitely like all part of it. Mm -hmm. um and whatever works for you you know like yeah maybe it's healthy maybe it's not related to work but it's whatever makes sense for you mm -hmm. is what I is what I think like yeah. I'm I'm uh pretty big on like just sitting in silence or having mm -hmm. like very low music if I have it on because all day being kind of with people it's like I need nothing at all <laughs> and like what you said about leaving the phone at home I love doing that yeah because it just not having it's so distracting so like if so I'm walking yeah, when I'm walking my dog and then I'm getting calls or texts and I'm like trying to multitask <laughs> and I just want to enjoy my walk. And so it feels so much better when it's not, you know, there ringing and distracting us. Yeah. G going on walks actually is, is something that I've really embraced this last year. Mm -hmm. um, and um, like drinking tea. Is also yeah. something that I've always done, but like I did it way more last year. Mm -hmm. um, CBD teas, like I don't know. I know this is kind of like a medical in the medical field, so I don't really want to like promote that if it doesn't work for everyone. But I I drink mm -hmm. CBD teas, and those have been very helpful as well. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah. mm -hmm. does it help? Like, uh, just kind of like calm and soothe you? It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like some people argue that it's all mental, but I don't know, I, I, I warm up some peppermint CBD tea and I'm chill. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually started giving my dog CBD oil, like mm. drops, because she was having like some joint pain. She was like oh, limping yeah, yeah, out yeah. of nowhere. And uh, maybe it's not mental because how would she know what I'm giving her? And now she's like fine, like nothing. Yeah, that's awesome. I hear that that CBD is really good for a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm not here to promote CBD, you know, whatever, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, whatever, whatever works for people. Well, um, Eric, before we like wrap up for today, where can people find you, learn more about you and the projects that you're working on? Um, on Instagram, it's at Normandy Records. Uh, you can visit normandyrecords.com and you can find just pretty much any kind of content or any social media there, normandyrecords.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Um, there's always a ton of content coming out and uh, there's a couple of musical releases in May that I'm very excited for. Ooh. So um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy that if you get a chance to hear it. Awesome. Awesome. Before we wrap up, any any concerts that you have lined up that you're going to go to? Because I know everybody's like kind of getting <laughs> hyped for, for concerts in 2022. <laughs> um, I actually haven't, I haven't thought of concerts like that um okay. I just I don't know if they're that I, I can't wait for the Hollywood Bowl to open yes 
I'm really looking forward to that because yes. it's outdoors. It's like meant for a situation like this. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. I don't think they released their um, their schedule yet, right? Or at all? I don't think so. But yeah. somebody was telling me recently about the Hollywood Bowl. So there must be some talk somewhere because it's not the first time that I hear that the Hollywood Bowl should be opening soon. I hope so. That's one of the best venues in LA. Mm -hmm. And like I said, very suited for um, a cautionary type of environment. So mm -hmm. that I'm looking forward to, but I don't know. I'm I, I, full disclosure here. I actually don't like big crowds to begin with. Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. so this isn't anything new. This isn't like a COVID thing. It says I just don't <laughs> like big crowds. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what about like concerts in the park? Do you enjoy those? Um, Much more like picnic style or something. I like when I go to a concert. Um, I need to have my space. Like I uh, can't be with with the crowd. I, I don't. Uh -huh. I don't know. I just. I don't like it. I'm not claustrophobic or anything, but I just. It's not yeah. something I enjoy very much. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I. I get you. I get mm -hmm. you. Um, I can relate to to certain points. Like sometimes I really really like it, but then I need like my alone time to just kind of like recharge and and then feel like better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I like people. I like mm -hmm. people. I like talking with people. Like what we're doing right now, like I could do all day. Mm -hmm. uh, even small groups, you know, it's just like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, I hopefully the Hollywood Bowl will be opening up soon then. So we can enjoy <laughs> some fun outside. Do you like Bad Bunny? Are you a Bad Bunny fan? Um, so I am a Bad Bunny fan, but I did not buy the $2,000 tickets. Dude, why are they so expensive? Actually, I know why, but, um. Why? Tell us, because I'm wondering why. <laughs> I, I, someone told me, someone who works in the live, uh, music industry told me that they implemented a surge pricing, kind of like, like Uber. Um, uh, so as more, as there was more demand in that window, the price just like skyrocketed. I don't wow. like, I don't. I don't think that's cool, but I was told that that's what they implemented. So, I don't know. so I'm I'm really curious in situations like this. Um, could the artist come in and say, "Hey, I don't want this. Like, bring it down. Like, this is not this is not cool." Mm, not necessarily. Uh, in most cases, when you're an artist as big as Bad Bunny, like you're under like, I obviously I don't know, but like you're probably under contractual obligation with a certain company who owns these venues, right? Uh, like Live Nation is a big company mm -hmm. who owns a lot of venues. Mm -hmm. um, it's mostly when you're independent where you can have a say on how much your audience or your consumers pay for your products. But I imagine that Bad Bunny uh, would rather take a big advance <laughs> from a Live Nation or some or whatever promoter. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just, you have to be okay with that. Damn. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, I was thinking, if I was Bad Bunny and I saw this, knowing who my um, who my fans are, I would bring it down to, like, normal prices. So I guess you know, it's not the, up to him. That's very noble of you. I, I don't... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think that's absurd. Like, no ticket price should ever be that much unless you're singing to me one-on-one. -on -one. Like, you, we better be in the, in, the, in the VIP room and you have a private concert for me for that price. But... Uh, seriously with that being said though I think the live music industry took a huge hit last year a lot of people lost their jobs um, mm -hmm. so uh, uh, I think th there are going to be some efforts to try to recoup that 
uh, because they, they really, really suffered a lot. And um, uh, I know I just said that I'm not looking forward to concerts, but I'm looking forward to concerts coming back because uh -huh. a lot of people are out of work still. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's very, very true. So I am a Bad Bunny fan and I saw him two years ago when I was still living in New York City. And I think the ticket was maybe like $100, maybe $150. Um, <laughs> but I mean, in comparison to, you know, 2000, yeah, it's ridiculous. So to, to your question, I am a Bad Bunny fan, but I did not buy those tickets. Bad Bunny's cool. Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. I really like uh, how progressive he is in, in the messages that he sends within his music. Yeah. I mean, as long as his intention is, is, is good. Like, uh, but like, I'm, I'm talking about the music side. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, he's totally um, where he should be as far as mm -hmm. like um, success. I think he's, he's really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, any final words? messages for people watching us or listening to us just you know uh be kind to artists <laughs> if if your friend uh releases a song or something just listen to it just say hey keep it up yeah that's all that's they want sometimes yeah they don't <laughs> just be kind that's all. i like that be kind 